You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, El Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody to FanRag Fantasy Baseball and happy, happy Mother's Day to you and to everyone's mother out there. Happy Sunday to you. Uh, lots to get to today. Busy Sunday with uh, lots of news. You know, I know I said pretty much every day, but it just keeps coming. And the big news this morning, of course, is uh, the Yankees placing Araldis Chapman on the 10-day disabled list with rotator cuff inflammation. So uh, if uh, Batances is out there in uh, one of your leagues, you got to get him. And uh, actually, not only that uh, Chapman, that Chapman is on the DL, but um, just uh, coming across a few minutes ago uh, that he is expected, at least according to general manager Brian Cashman, that Chapman is expected to be out for about a month. So this isn't going to be uh, a minimum stay for Chapman. It's not like the uh, you know Mark Melanson situation and Derek Law there, where you know was it really worth your while to go uh, you know get the replacement? I mean, Don Patances uh, is going to be saving games for the Yankees for you know a month, you know hopefully not longer uh, you know for for Chapman's sake, but uh, yeah, Patances uh, yeah no among those who aren't closers, he's not uh, easily uh, gettable on waivers. You know, like a Derek Law, who just, you know, sort of got plopped into your lap. But, uh, yeah, if Batances is out there, he needs to be picked up. He needs to be started. And um, lots of other news to get to as well. Um, Robinson Cano is out of the Mariners lineup. He's missed the last three games with uh, that sore quad. So you got Taylor Motter once again uh, starting at second base for the Mariners. And uh, just in terms of lineups, there's several of them out there. But um, one thing that I noted that really interests me, you've got Jose Abreu at the DH spot today for the White Sox. So playing first base is Matt Davidson, who's just got all kinds of power. Also has a crazy fly ball rate, just under 60%. So he's going to make a lot of outs. He's got to face Jared Weaver today. Now I don't know how long Weaver's going to make it, make it in the start because he's just not been effective at all. But, uh, boy, get one or two at-bats against Weaver. That could be a nice little daily play for Matt Davidson. Uh, also, no Adubel Herrera in the Phillies lineup today against uh, against the lefty, Gio Gonzalez. But, um, you know, there's a lot of other you know big news uh, from the weekend with the call-ups of Jose Barrios, Ian Happ, Blake Snell going to the minors. So a lot more to talk about. Uh, so we're going to get to most of that after the break, but also, uh, as usual, going to review the standout performances from the last day. And uh, we're basically at the quarter mark of the season now. So I thought this was a good time to kind of step back and take a look at some leaderboards and some interesting names that are on there that I wouldn't necessarily have expected to figure out what's going on with that. So we will be right back. Stick around and uh, see you on the other side.
Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. And again, happy Mother's Day to all. Uh, before we get to more of the news, so much news to get to, and some of the standout performances, quick word about the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill. You can hear Benny Riccardi in your car or Greg Sussman on the subway or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. Keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fancy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. All right, so already talked about the Araldus Chapman news. He's going to be out for about a month with that rotator cuff uh, inflammation. Of course, uh, if you watched the Yankee game on uh, Friday night, uh, you saw Chapman in that uh, at bat with Jose Altuve where he shook his arm and looked like something wasn't right, and, and unfortunately uh, something wasn't right with Chapman. So on the DL, uh couple of big promotions yesterday. Jose Barrios making the start for the Twins, and it was a beauty uh, against the Indians. And we're going to talk about that more later with the pitching standouts. And we're going to talk about Ian Happ with the hitting standouts because he went yard in his major league debut playing in right field for the Cubs. It was not such a great day yesterday for Blake Snell, uh, another poor performance against the Red Sox. So the Rays decided to send him back down to Triple A Durham. Snell uh, is somebody who has had control issues, uh, both in the minors and the majors. And last year, though, at least he was able to get hitters to chase some of those pitches, uh, those wilder pitches. This year, he, he nobody was biting. So uh, the walk rate was high. He wasn't getting as many strikeouts, a little more hard contact. Uh, just not a good picture for Blake Snell. So he's going to go AAA, try to work it out. And it'll be Erasmo Ramirez sliding back into the Rays rotation. Uh, Aaron Sanchez has been activated. He'll make a start today. So he's back from that fingernail issue that has shelved him twice already this season. Jerry's Familia, he had uh, successful uh, surgery on that uh, blood clot, that arterial blockage. And he could possibly be back in August. So it's not necessarily uh, uh, end of the season for Familia, but you know, even if he does come back, for a lot of fantasy formats, it's it's probably going to be too late, but uh, you know that's obviously a situation we're going to be looking at over the long haul. David Price will make uh, a rehab start today, and then he is scheduled for another one on Friday for AAA Pawtucket in Buffalo, and it is possible that after that, David Price will be back with the Red Sox and in the rotation. So maybe a week eight, uh, week eight option for you. Uh, and David Price will obviously be tracking that story throughout week seven. And according to FanRag's John Heyman, uh, Bryce Harper has signed the largest one-year deal for an arbitration-eligible player in history. He has agreed to a $21.65 million deal, and he gets another million if he wins the MVP. And given how things are going this season, uh, that certainly uh, could be a play for, for Bryce Harper in 2018. And you know, not to mention 2017 as well. So a big deal there for Bryce Harper. Uh, the Mariners. Now I talked earlier about Robinson Cano. He's out for the fourth straight start. 
He's missed the last three games entirely with the sore quad. But uh, the, the injury news, unfortunately, for the Mariners does not stop there. Uh, Hisashi Iwakuma is out for four to six weeks with right shoulder inflammation. So he will not be back anytime soon. And one of the starters the Mariners called up uh, as part of the reinforcements, because you've got Felix Hernandez out, you've had James Paxton out, uh, just one injury after another for the Mariners, particularly in that rotation. And now Ryan Weber, who they acquired in the offseason from the Braves, came in and, and seemed to be having a, a nice start on Saturday. But he had to leave early and has already been placed on the DL with strained biceps. So another injury for the Mariners, Ryan Weber. Um, so no clue how they're going to fill that uh, spot. You know, I suppose they, they can go to Dylan Overton, who they've, they've tried once. Um, but uh, good thing that the Mariners built up that, that pitching depth in the offseason. Off they really did stockpile. Uh, a lot of starters, you know, particularly fifth starter types. And the Indians have placed Brandon Geyer on the 10 DDL with a wrist injury. They have uh, also DFA'd Michael Martinez. So at least for now, uh, that is all the news that we've got from uh, the past day or so. But uh, there may be some news in terms of weather. Now, yesterday, because of bad weather in the Northeast, you had the Yankees and the Astros rained out, and today there's a, a scheduled doubleheader. And the weather could be a factor there again today for the day game. There is a 40% chance of precipitation at game time, which is 2 o'clock Eastern. Uh, then uh, for the nightcap, there is just a 14% chance. So it seems like they'll get some baseball in in the Bronx today. Hopefully they get both of those games in, but also up in Boston, a 70% chance of precipitation at game time for the Rays at the Red Sox. So for either of those games, you definitely want to check back in. Uh, of course, you know, not a whole lot of time. That's a 135 start in Boston. So uh, definitely keep an eye on that for the next, uh, you know, next few minutes at least. All right. On to some of the impressive pitching performances from Saturday. We will definitely get to Jose Barrios. Uh, there were some other really noteworthy starts. Of course, one of them was from Chris Sale, but that's, you know, every five days or so, uh, that's what we talk about here. Chris Sale uh, against the Rays. So you figure if Chris Sale's not going to get strikeouts against the Rays, then nobody can, but he did. 12 strikeouts in seven innings, uh, three runs allowed, only two hits and two walks. So another great start for Chris Sale. And he is just further cementing his position as one of the big three fantasy starters, uh, particularly with Madison Bumgarner out of the picture for quite a while. Uh, he and Max Scherzer and, of course, Clayton Kershaw uh, have all been just stellar. Now, Barrios, also stellar. Uh, he went seven and two-thirds in his season debut against the Indians with just two hits allowed, one run, one walk, and four strikeouts. Uh, Barrios just cruised easily through that start, uh, which was very, very good to see after the struggles that he had last year. And so I know a lot of people were concerned. I personally was advising people to not put Barrios in your lineup right away. So I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not sorry if you took that advice because I think it was the right process, even if the result, uh, particularly if you had somebody in a spot there that you might have replaced him with who didn't do as well. But uh, yeah, go ahead and put Jose Barrios into your rotation for week seven. To be sure, much more surprising among the standouts, Lizalberto Bonilla 
with his first start since 2014. And he's only made a handful of starts in the major leagues, but that last one with the Rangers has been a swingman, both in the minors and the majors. But uh, for the Reds, a complete game, eight-inning performance for Bonilla, six hits allowed, three runs, two walks, five strikeouts at the Giants. And uh, I, I don't... It's it's uncomfortable to do this because I don't yeah you know, I don't like to be mean, but the Giants are an awfully good matchup and especially at AT and T Park. So I, I don't feel like this is a good test to see where Bonilla is actually at in terms of potential fantasy impact. I would not expect him to be really a mixed league option, but we'll see because the whole thing is with an easy matchup, you know, a favorable matchup, a, a good pitcher is going to take advantage of that, but. Maybe a mediocre pitcher looks like a looks like a better pitcher. So we'll we'll see going forward if Bonilla, um, you know, is able to translate that uh, that success, particularly in starts at Great American Ballpark. But uh, a good, certainly a good first step for Lizalberto Bonilla. Alex Wood with another tremendous start, and this time he went six innings, and again he held the opposition scoreless. And this was at Coors Field, so doesn't get really any tougher than that. Maybe the Nationals, but, you know, you, you throw in the Coors effect. I don't think it gets any tougher than the start at Coors Field. And Alex Wood absolutely aced it. Six scoreless innings, 10 strikeouts, only one walk, five hits. So he is for real. He is legit. Even if it's five innings, I'll take it um, for Alex Wood. And this was a, a two-start week for him. So really, really nice for those who started him. And that was a tough call, again, with that, that Rockies uh, start on the schedule. And on the other side for the Rockies, Tyler Anderson. This does probably not look like a great start, but five and two-thirds, five hits, three runs, uh, two walks, and eight strikeouts against the Dodgers. And I want to break down Tyler Anderson a little bit more after the break because I think this start is better than it appears. And the overall trends for him are just interesting. I'm not sure they're great. (laughs) <laughs> that's what makes it interesting. I'm not sure if it's good or bad what Tyler Anderson has done this season. But this uh, particular start was a little microcosm of what's been going on for him. On, on balance, I think it was a good one for Anderson. So we'll talk more about him. Uh, Matt Moore, Julio Tehran, Nathan Carnes all uh, making waves on Saturday. We'll get to them and get to some hitters as well. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I am your host, Al Melchior, and I've got some lineup updates for you. we got more pitchers to talk about. we got hitters to talk about. And we've got the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package to talk about. It is your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn to scan the numbers like a roto scientist. They'll help you set the ideal lineups every week. And this season, you get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor, powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the Roto Experts exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter the promo code free radio at the checkout for a special discount. So as promised, 
A few notes about lineups for today uh, for the Cubs. Addison Russell is back in the lineup, and he is batting cleanup. Uh, And Ian Happ is also back in the lineup. He'll be playing right field, and he's batting second right behind Kyle Schwarber. So that is pretty cool. Good news for Ian Happ, but Chris Bryant still out. He is ill. So you got Tommy LaStella at third base for the Cubs. And uh, let's see what, uh, I guess that's it. I thought there was one other note, but that that is it for now. So uh, we had been talking pitchers before the break, and specifically we had been talking about Tyler Anderson. And I, I feel like I've brought him up a lot over the last few weeks because the guy has an insane swinging strike rate this year. Getting a lot of whiffs, so a lot of strikeout potential there for Tyler Anderson. Uh, you know, Rocky pitchers have been pretty successful so far this year, but there's, you know, there's always still that concern about the core's effect and probably more so for Anderson than anybody right now in the Rockies rotation uh, because of a change that he's made. And this is a kind of a good news, bad news change for Tyler Anderson. That increase in the whiff rate is mostly courtesy of his cutter. He is getting a lot more whiffs on his cutter. And in related news, his spin rate has increased substantially. Last year, uh, 2,366 RPMs on the cutter. This year, up to 2,436. That's a pretty notable increase. And when you've got that increase in spin, the ball rises, you've got more fly balls. You also typically get more swings and misses, which Anderson is getting, but it's a trade-off. So more fly balls, a lot more fly balls for Tyler Anderson. And his previous start, for that one start, he reversed the trend. And we thought, good, maybe this is maybe this is the best of both world, worlds for Tyler Anderson. Got the ground ball rate that he had last year, about 50%. And then you've got the increased whiff rate from 2017. But against the Dodgers, it was a reversal, only five ground balls, but 16 swings and misses. And neither of those marks are really an aberration for Anderson uh, for this season. Really, it was the last start that was more the aberration. So maybe you, maybe this is just how it goes for Tyler Anderson. I, in this particular version of him, unfortunately, I'd only be able to use him once in a while. Maybe even once, like every three weeks, you know, you, you, when he goes to AT&T Park, not to, to pick on the Giants and that, that venue, more so the venue really than the Giants. Uh, but, you know, something like that, uh, maybe then you feel safe using Tyler Anderson. But it's just, it's so tempting because he's getting so many whiffs. Uh, but again, this start against the Dodgers at Coors Field, I mean, he was one out away from a quality start. You know, five hits and five and two thirds, less than a hit a hit uh, per inning. The eight strikeouts, the two walks. I mean, it's it wasn't a bad start. So maybe if he can kind of straddle that level of performance, then then Anderson's going to be all right for you. So uh, at this point, it's really week to week start to t- start for Tyler Anderson. But I certainly want to have him at least on my bench. The potential is just too great there. Uh, Nat Moore, speaking of that park effect in San Francisco, another wonderful home start for Matt Moore. Seven and a third innings, eight hits allowed, but only one run, three walks. And you're generally going to get that from Matt Moore, about three three walks to start, and seven strikeouts. So 
he now has a 2.57 ERA at AT Park this year. And on the road, sit down, get ready for this, 10.50 ERA on the road. That's how it goes for Matt Moore. He makes it easy for you. It's not like Tyler Anderson. Do I sit or start him this week? Matt Moore, it is easy. At home, you start him. On the road, you sit him. Uh, so he makes it makes it easy for us. And Julio Tehran, I think it's a similar pattern. It's the opposite pattern, but it's similarly easy because SunTrust Park in the early going looks like a hitter's park, and especially for left-handed hitters. And Tehran on Saturday got the good fortune of being at Marlins Park, which is probably one of those stadiums where you could trust Tyler Anderson to keep the ball in the park. Uh, but Tehran also a fly ball pitcher. He went six innings, did not give up a run against the Marlins. Only three hits, two walks, and four strikeouts. Nice start for Julio Tehran. On the road, he has a sparkling 0.71 ERA this year. At SunTrust Park, sit down for this one too, 8.14 ERA. So uh, I actually dropped Tehran in a 12-team mixed league last night. Um, because if I want somebody who's going to be great for one part of the home road splits, I just as soon stream that that pitcher. And if somebody wants to own that pitcher, then I'd rather find somebody on waivers. Because there there are pitchers on waivers who have that that same kind of deal. And um, you know, I would rather go with them than use the spot uh for, for Tehran if he's gonna be, you know, awful for uh for half of his starts. That might seem premature. Uh, you know, we are just a quarter through the season. It's not really a huge sample, especially when you're breaking things into splits. But um, Tehran, to me, is in that kind of format with five. It's a, it's a head-to-head league, I should mention. So it's five starting pitcher slots. I like to stream in usually two pitchers a week, get uh, get my favorite two-start pitcher in there, maybe get my two favorites in there. And uh, Tehran, keeping them around, just it makes it, it makes it hard to do that. So if I'm remembering correctly in this league, I think I dropped him so I could get Zach Godley in there for his two starts. Um, so, you know, it may be a risk. I know I did a similar thing with Michael Waka. I think it was two seasons ago. And and it paid off um, because, you know, I saw him as close enough to fringy in a league where you have five starters that uh, I wanted the flexibility. So... We'll see. We'll see if it works out. We'll see if this trend continues for Julio Tehran. Nathan Carnes on a heck of a trend. He had a 12 strikeout game against the Orioles. That is a career high for uh, Nathan Carnes. I never know whether to call him Nathan or Nate because it seems like about half the sites out there have him as Nathan and the other half have, have his Nate. I'm going with Nathan for today. I may change midstream if I feel like it. Uh, so five hits allowed in five innings, two runs, just one walk for Carnes. So over the last three starts, he has 29 strikeouts in 17 and a third innings. Now there's two two numbers there that are both very notable. The 29 strikeouts in, in three starts, no matter how many innings you have, is incredible and great and wonderful. Uh, 17 and a third innings over three starts, particularly for somebody who's succeeding, that's not very many. That's not very many. So it makes it tough, you know, sort of like the the Alex Wood conundrum we've been facing. Uh, is it enough? Are there enough strikeouts there? And is there enough consistency? I mean, Carnes has a 4.46 ERA this season. So sort of like with uh, Tyler Anderson, there's a bit of a trade-off there. You're probably going to get strikeouts. 
uh, you are probably going to see some balls fly out of the park when Carnes pitches. And not in these starts, but you still may have some walks and a high whip. Now, if you're thinking you're, you're home free because Carnes over those uh, three starts in 17 and 13 inning, innings has only walked four batters. Um, take a look at the matchups. This was the Orioles on Saturday. The previous two were the White Sox and the Rays. Those are three teams that do not walk much against right-handed pitchers. Um, and of the three, the Orioles are the most prone to strike out, but it's not like any of those teams are the Red Sox or the Indians or the Angels, you know, teams that you're avoiding in terms of a low strikeout potential. So I, you know, it could be matchup driven and it kind of gets back to the discussion we had last segment about Bonilla. Is it the matchup, you know, or in Bonilla's case, was it the ballpark, you know, or is, is this just who Nate Carnes is now? I am skeptical and we are going to have a great test for Nate Carnes this week because he is going to face the twins and the twins are right up there with the Indians in terms of a team that walks a lot. Don't, they don't strike out a whole lot. Um, that is going to be a much, much tougher test for, for Nathan Carnes in uh, week seven. I personally would not start them. That may make me too risk averse, but that's, uh, that's how I'm going to roll. Uh, so uh, that's pretty much it in terms of the notable pitching performances. But uh, let's uh, get in a few hitters before we head to break. And, and we certainly need to lead off here with J.D. Martinez, who is on a wonderful two-game hot streak since coming off the DL with that Liz Frank injury. And I was very, very concerned about Martinez. But three for four on Sunday with a two-home run performance. So, uh, you know, it certainly seems like there's not much to worry about there with uh, J.D. Martinez. And Ian Happ, we mentioned earlier in the show, so let's uh, get right to him. He went one for three in his major league debut at the Cardinals, uh, and that one hit was a home run. He also walked, and he's coming up from AAA Iowa with a two ninety eight average and, and nine home runs. So, uh, you know, Happ, I think if the Cubs had a place for him to stick around, you know, there would probably not be much question that Happ is ready for the majors. Uh, that, but uh, this supposedly is going to be a short-term call and then have to, have to kind of temper enthusiasm. Anyways, more and more hitters when we come back, so please stick with us. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, there was one other lineup update from the last uh, segment I don't think I got to. And if I did, well, you know, it's worth repeating that Adam Jones is out of the Orioles lineup. So you got Joey Rickard in center field today at the Royals against Chris Young. Uh, So Adam Jones, uh, not to be used uh, for your Sunday lineup. I just had a question roll in on Twitter. Uh, We talked about Jose Barrios and his great season debut for the Twins. And this one from at Fantasy MLB Nut 09 uh, is asking, besides Barrios, any intriguing arms coming up? And also, do I condone more DL slots midseason based on Lou Landscape? I'm not exactly sure how to interpret that second question, but get to the first one first. You know, I thought that uh, we would be pretty close to seeing a Jose De Leon promotion 
but uh, well, I mean, he's recently come back from injury, so I mean, I shouldn't be surprised at all that he's not up with Blake Snell going down. But I figure, you know, between him and Brent Honeywell, I would think we'd see one of those two fairly soon, maybe Honeywell sooner. But uh, I think those are are definitely two uh, to keep an eye on as well. Um, I like Brandon Woodruff in the uh, Brewer system. I know Josh Hader is the one that has really gotten a lot of the attention. He's struggled a bit in AAA, uh, but I do think I could see that the the Brewers, uh, you know, whether it's Zach Davies or Willie Peralta, I, I think there's some vulnerable spots in that rotation. Uh, so I think Woodruff could get a shot, and, and eventually Hader too. Uh, as for the question about the DL slots, uh, by the new landscape, I don't. I assume that's just because of, of there being so many pitching injuries. But uh, I, I certainly wouldn't condone a midseason change just because it, this has been a tough year to uh, keep pitchers on your roster. I mean, it's it's part of the challenge, and sometimes you know, fantasy is it's a good challenge uh, in a, in a way that's you know not necessarily a whole lot of fun. So um, so uh, I would say no, no on the DL slots. And actually, one more one more question from uh, the same person here, fourteen team dynasty league. Five SP starts a week. What do you do with Samarja at home versus the Reds? That's a great question because we talked earlier about AT&T Park being, uh, you know, great for pitchers. Samarja's not getting any run support. He has no wins. He's facing Tim Edelman, who I wrote about in the Sunday Streamers column on FanRag. And I love this start for Edelman because of the park, because of the Giants offense. And I would say... Go ahead and start Samarja, uh, unless you really need a win. Because I really don't know that he has a group between the run support and the fact that he's facing Edelman, an extreme, extreme fly ball pitcher in a park that may be the one park in the major leagues that that's really going to work well for him. Uh, and he gets a lot of strikeouts. Um, I actually like Edelman better than Samarja today. But unless you're really worried about a win, I think it'll be a pitcher's duel. And I think Samarja would be fine to start. So getting back to Saturday's performances, those hitting performances, Jose Bautista is starting to climb out of his funk. He went two for four with his fifth home run against the Mariners. But over the last 18 games, he's hitting 246 with a 351 batting average, which is pretty standard Bautista fare, uh, you know, particularly in a, in a points league or an OBP league. Bautista's doing you right over the last three weeks or so. And then he's also had four home runs over that same period. So except for one thing, uh, it looks like Jose Bautista's back on track. And the one thing is that over those 18 games, he struck out 21 times and that's over 77 plate appearances. That is still too many. And that is still far more than we're accustomed to, excuse me, accustomed to seeing from Jose Bautista. So um, that one thing would make me qualify a recommendation for him. I'm starting him in a five outfielder league. I think it's a borderline call whether or not to start Bautista in a three-outfielder league. Moving on, Nick Ahmed with a two-homer game, his first multi-homer game of his career, and he now has four on the season. I own and start Ahmed in a very deep dynasty league. Basically, it's one of those leagues where if you've got an injury, uh, you start who is ever on waivers who has a major league job. So it's nice. I enjoy getting that production from Nick Ahmed. 
I've always suspected there was a little bit of power there, but I don't think he's going to play enough where you're going to be starting him other in that type of league that I just described. On the other hand, Tommy Pham, another nice game for him, two for three with a double, a walk, and a steal. So kind of all over the board, Tommy Pham against the Cubs. He is now hitting 387 with three homers and two steals. I do think Pham has uh, the chance to be that power speed kind of uh, combination. I'm not really buying the batting average from Pham. I also don't know how long he stays in the in the Cardinals uh, lineup, but uh, you know, at least for now, I'd say 15 team mixed league. Pham should be owned and started. And I'll say the same thing about Justin Bohr, who actually has much more. Uh, he has a much greater shelf life than Pham, I think. Uh, but Bohr one for two with a home run, his seventh of the season, and two walks. He's been walking a lot. This against the Braves. And that is Bohr's third game in a row with a home run. So he's kind of making up for a slow start uh, now with seven home runs for Justin Bohr. But certainly a little bit more appeal now in points leagues and OBP leagues that he's walking a lot. But I still think that the batting average has really limited upside. And with first base having gotten a lot better this season, which we've talked about a lot uh, in the last week or two, I think that shuts the likes of a, a Justin Bohr or a Mike Napoli uh, out of uh, you know, realistically having room to play in, in a 12-team league. Can't say that about Travis Shaw, though. Went three for five against the Mets, hit his eighth home run of the season, and surprising to me, this was only his third home run of the year at Miller Park. I, I you know, If you had talked to me back on opening day and said, you know, Travis Shaw is going to have eight home runs just shy of of a quarter of the way through the season, I, I wouldn't wouldn't have been even mildly surprised. I figure out that move for him as a, as a fly ball hitter going to Miller Park was going to be great for his his power numbers. Maybe not necessarily great for his his batting average, but uh, the the power's been there. But he has hit actually for more power on the road than in Milwaukee. But the other thing about Shaw that's really surprising and, and again makes him sort of a difficult player to figure out going forward. I said he was a fly ball hitter. Not this year. I'd say neutral and maybe even slightly ground ball leaning. He has a 48% ground ball rate. So that's a big, big change for Travis Shaw. And can you imagine if he actually reverts back to being a fly ball hitter, what kind of home run protection we might see from Travis Shaw? I'm not going to worry about that. Look, at this point, you just you keep him in the lineup. He's sitting at home. He's hitting on the road. He's got power. We know that. Um, if you get even more power later in the season, great. If it comes at the expense of the batting average, you Worry about that later. Uh, for right now, Travis Shaw is uh, somebody you start in a 12-team mixed league. So is Yonder Alonso, And for the most part, he's finally there. And you look at in terms of the ownership rates that he has on CBS, ESPN, and Yahoo. At this point, and rightfully so, if you're in a 12-team mixed league, you're going to be very, very lucky to find Yonder Alonso on the waiver wire. Went two for four on Saturday at Texas. Uh, with a home run, his 12th of the season. Actually, I have in my notes here, with 12 home runs, that would be a really good game. But it was actually just one home run, 12 on the season. Um, but I have to say, I'm surprised, maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm surprised that Alonzo is not universally owned. In CBS leagues, it's somewhere in the 70s, I want to say maybe 78%, which means there's probably a whole bunch of 10-team leagues on CBS where Yonder Alonzo is available. And on Yahoo, I want to say maybe it's 73, something like that. 
uh, maybe even a little lower, come to think of it. But the point being that if you're in a 10-team mixed league, there's an excellent chance that Yonder Alonso is available, and he should be starting for you in your league if uh, if you're in that, that uh, depth of a league. He's that good. Because if you think about it, even if you're talking about a points league, so there's 10 teams, you got 10 starting first basemen, and then you've got a utility slot where maybe, I don't know, four, maybe five of those players could be first basemen. Alonzo belongs there. He is, at this point, I think, a top 12 first baseman, maybe top 10. And again, that's, that's you know, on, on April 2nd, that might have been sort of faint praise because I thought there was a huge drop-off after the, the, the top seven, you know, after uh, Freddie Freeman and Edwin Encarnacion. But, uh, you know, there, it, it's a stacked position all of a sudden. So, uh, and Alonzo is part of what makes that stacked. Been out for quite a, a few games with a, a sore thumb. Hadn't been playing much anyway. The Orioles' second catcher uh, with Wellington Castillo out. And by the way, Castillo yesterday sent on a rehab assignment. So uh, Pena may not be long for the Orioles roster, but he made a case to stick around. He went two for three against the Royals with two home runs, his first multi-homer game in his career. Uh, but I, I honestly, I don't think that's going to help Pena get uh, more playing time anymore and probably not even as much as it would help Nick Ahmed get more playing time with his two homer game. But a cool thing to see for Francisco Pena. And while he's around, if you're in one of those, you know, really deep AL only leagues, you know, maybe he's an option for the for next week. Uh, Ed, a couple of players coming up from. From the low minors, Alan Cordoba and McNair Sierra. Cordoba went one for three with the home run. Sierra, two for three. He's now batting 400. And it's sort of a, a strange twist here. Cordoba was picked up by the Padres from the Cardinals as a Rule 5 pick. So if things played out differently, maybe it's Alan Cordoba filling in uh, for the Cardinals instead of McNair Sierra. But... Uh, a you know, couple of interesting uh, plays in, in deeper leagues there. Guys who could, are hitting well, despite uh, very little even minor league uh, experience. So, when we come back, we're going to take a look at a few players sitting top leaderboards that you might not have expected. So, stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. Happy Mother's Day to everyone. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And in this final segment of this Mother's Day edition of FanRag Fantasy Baseball, I want to just take a moment to reflect because we are headed into week seven. And, you know, if, if you're not great at math, uh, you, you know, you might uh, believe that we're a quarter through the season. But uh, we're, we're close enough. <laughs> we're close enough, right? Because 26 weeks does not divide evenly into, into four. So, uh, let, you know, let's uh, just say close enough and say we're at the quarter mark here. Got a handful of teams that are, are getting close to 40 games. Uh, and, and so taking this opportunity to, to reflect, um, there's a few players who you know, really surprised me. Or, or I wouldn't say these. They all surprised me, but they're, they're, they're all sitting near the top of a leaderboard that gives us a reason to pause and say what's going on here. And one is Jesse Hahn, who 
I would say up until a couple weeks ago, I had no interest in, was completely dismissing, uh, just the sort of pitcher who it was very blah, you know, okay strikeout rate, you know, probably not even quite average, okay control, just sort of okay in every regard. But it turns out I was really, really wrong about that. Um, when it comes to fly balls being hit off of Han, he has been elite in a couple of regards. He has the fifth lowest hard contact rate in the majors on fly balls. And that might seem like a very obscure thing, but, you know, when you look at these leaderboards, I mean, these are, you know, good pitchers that are at the top of these leaderboards. So he's not allowed, when he is allowing fly balls, he's not allowing hard contact on them. And combined with that, he has the lowest pull rate on fly balls. And like by a huge margin, the only pitcher who's even really close is Mike Leak. And I have, maybe I'm wrong, but I have the impression that people are much more interested in owning and starting Mike Leak than Jesse Hahn. Uh, but, the, you know, they they have some similar appeal. And they both you know, also pitch in home parks that are, are you know, good if uh, you're going to be allowing fly balls. But he's allowing less than 5% of fly balls to be, to be pulled, which is incredible. So maybe these things don't last, but they're both pretty extreme, especially the pull rate. So those, you know, the lack of hard contact and the lack of pulling, I mean, that's really going to restrict power numbers against Han. And I, I, all of a sudden I'm thinking, this is a guy I really, really want in a points league because he's probably going to go deep in a lot of starts, even if he doesn't get strikeouts. Now, a trio of hitters that are just doing well overall, Avisail Garcia, Matt Holliday, and Corey Dickerson. They rank... 17th, 24th, and 28th, so they're all in the top 30 in terms of WOBA for all qualified Major League hitters. And I would say of the three, I'm the most convinced of Dickerson uh, because he's got a 379 BABIP, which looks really high, but is very consistent with what he did in Colorado. And yes, you're going to have an easier time getting hits on balls and play at Coors Field, but this is a guy who has always used, always used the whole field throughout his career, just a good hitter. I was always skeptical of the idea that he was going to have this big drop-off leaving course. He started to to kind of turn things around late last season. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball this season, and the power's there too. Holiday and Garcia, they've also had good power. They've also got high BABIPs. Holiday with uh, 350, Garcia 411. And Garcia in particular, I'm very skeptical of. Uh, he too is getting more fly balls, more pulled fly balls or pulled balls in general. That does not jive with a 411 Babip. So I think Garcia is a better hitter this year than he's been in the past. I also think he's due for major regression. So I like him as a sell high candidate. Um, and, and Holiday, I like. He may regress a bit too, but I, I, I'm not too worried about him. Anyhow, folks, that's a wrap on the first quarter. We'll call it that. It's a wrap for this show. Have a great Mother's Day. Enjoy Sunday baseball. And coming up next is Bagels and Baseball. Stick around for them. Have a great day, folks.